You should be very proud of yourself. You've just been chosen to play The Apprentice. Okay. Well, yeah, why let me open the show when we can just have... The Don. The Don do it for us. I know we just had Daniel Clute record us the, that intro that we've been playing for the show, but can we just get that donald's voice and the porno funk guitar from this awful game instead. you want me to hit that again i mean sure why not one more time you know congratulations you should be very proud of yourselves you've just been chosen to play the apprentice this is hands down the best game ever made Blue t- and you're fired I, I like the guarantee that you get with uh with this with this game that you are Currently making history playing the best board game that's ever been created. But we're going to have to personally approved and hand stamped by Senor Presidente himself. There's a story behind that, too, and we're going to talk about it. But anyways, welcome to Roll and Move, the podcast that explores the bottom of the barrel when it comes to board games with uh, the mechanics where you usually roll a dice and then you move. But this time... Once again, we are shirking our responsibilities that are title mandates, and we are looking at a game that has neither of those mechanics. Instead, we're taking a look at the Apprentice board game. That's right. Uh, the Apprentice electronic board game at that. I actually don't know if it says board game. There's no board. There are cards. Uh, we'll get into and that a gadget, later, but it's an electronic game. Mm-hmm. So technically, this is just a card game? No board at all? It's a game. Uh, it advertises itself as the Apprentice game, so take that for what you will. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be taking a look at the, the Apprentice game, and this has this has nothing to do with current politics. We're just, we're just diving back into... Uh, the uh, games of yesteryear here. Oh so. yeah, we're getting we're getting into a time machine. We're going back to 2002. Yeah. We're going to the peak of. Uh, we're, we're going back to the peak. Our peak. You know, we, we've already done it with the Amazing Race, but we're going back to the peak of reality television. Mm-hmm. And we're coming to when there were reality television board game spinoffs. And we're just we're looking at the game. We're looking at the man behind the game. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at the mechanics and the company behind the game. And it's going to be a lot of fun because this game... It's going to be a blast, boys. And nothing crazy is going to happen in about two decades. So that's right. That's, that's it's right. All Here in 2002, be... everything's good to go. Yeah, that's right. Clear sailing from there. The man, the legend, the Don. The Don. <laughs> so dialing back that clock, who thought it was a good idea to publish the Apprentice board game? Well, frankly, I thought it would be because it was a massively successful show the apprentice was really starting to hit its stride in the early 2000s and what's interesting is donald trump was not originally going to be a part of the game um i have a a couple of tabs of wikipedia and various sources open so i'm going to be feeding you guys the information uh, as i read it off my screen here but apparently mark burnett met with donald trump about being in a reality tv show Uh, back in those early 2000s. And uh, Donald Trump responded by saying that reality television was for the bottom feeders of society. So I got to jump on. (laughs) That is a direct quote. He didn't want to do it. But after much cajoling, the producer talked him into it. And since then, apparently The Apprentice was so successful that according to Trump, and who knows how accurate that is, he earned $214 million from 14 seasons of the show, in fact, with product placements and execrable services in order to <laughs> uh, to make an appearance on the show. So it became a force of nature, and it was certainly a success. So, of course, there's got to be really crappy spinoff products that come from The Apprentice, right? Yeah, absolutely. I got a question for you. Shoot. 
was was Donald Trump wrong when he said what was the quote again? Uh, that reality television is for the bottom feeders of society. Yeah, was he wrong? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give you a hot take. I don't think he was wrong, but I will say that shrimp is delicious, and that's a bottom <laughs> feeder. So just just because you're a bottom feeder doesn't mean it's not bad. It's, it's doesn't mean you're a bad the man person. knows how to take advantage of bottom feeders. It's exactly right. <laughs> I'm on record on the show as uh, saying I'm a huge fan of Survivor, so I am certainly not uh, lumping everyone that watches reality TV shows together and saying they're well. They're those in glass houses should not throw stones, my friend. I have a hypothetical. If someone else were to be the host of The Apprentice, who would you choose? What other business owner? I think just because of Shark Tank, Mark Cuban would be pretty funny. Yeah, just he gets I was so just angry. I was gonna say Mark Cuban would be great, but it wouldn't be as um I don't know charismatic. Another another great choice might be the who's the guy who created McAfee, <laughs> the guy who's like insane <laughs> and has sex with all the all all the random hookers and like sleeps with a pistol under his uh his. Oh my gosh! I think he's trying to run for president as well, isn't he? John McAfee. Yeah. Be, I think he is. He's hilarious. He's the guy who said that, like, if Bitcoin didn't reach one million by the end of the year, that he would boil his <laughs> shoe and eat it. The guy's a hoot. He's very unstable and therefore would probably make a wonderful reality. <laughs> I TV think show um, Dan Bilzerian. Do you guys know who Dan Bilzerian is? Um, I do not. He's like, I, th- I think he's like a. Is that that guy on Instagram with the beard? Yeah. He's, he's he, got all the. He's got all the, like, the naked girls around him and he plays like high stakes poker all the time and he's got like. He always has pictures of these like diamond encrusted guns and stuff. And he's just like really weird. I think he would have been a really great personality for The Apprentice. It would have had a completely different flavor to the mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah. But that's that's his whole gig on Instagram is that he just kind of sells, quote unquote, this extremely extravagant, extravagant, crazy lifestyle. You mean like everyone else on Instagram? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that not a lot of people know is that this is not Donald Trump's first board game. In fact, it's not even the first time that he worked with Hasbro and Parker Brothers. Because if you dial back the clock even further, since we're sitting this nice comfy time machine here, if we go back to 1989, I can tell you guys about Donald Trump's first venture into board games, which was with Trump the game and this was also released in the early 2000s because re-released excuse me because of the success of the apprentice board game so first this game was released really then it was that. re-released in the in hmm. 2004 and then in 2005 the official apprentice game came out so let's let's dig into trump the board game okay the original designer of uh trump the board game was uh jeffrey breslow and i'm not sure if he's done a lot of other significant work but he approached donald trump in his offices in new york in trump tower and he told him the concept of the game which is basically it's it's very similar to monopoly but it's got a lot more rules and so trump's initial reaction to it was i like it What's next? And they started receiving offers from toy companies who were interested in releasing the game. Trump chose Milton Bradley, uh, which he called the Rolls-Royce of game companies. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, you know, maybe maybe you can make an argument, I guess. I, I don't know. Is it a Rolls-Royce or is it more of a, I don't know, a BMW? More like a beater. I, 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 <laughs> is, it a, is it a janky pickup or an Jalopy. old reliable? You know, anyways, uh, so after receiving approval, Breslow sold the concept uh, to Milton Bradley, and then he held another meeting with Trump to discuss how the profits would be split. So Breslow initially suggested splitting the profits equally. Oh, boy. Oh, man. You guys can't see this, but 
I'm finger wagging right now. <laughs> no, this no, is no, exactly no. what Trump would be doing. You getting Dikembe uh, 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 Mutombo up there? Not in my so, office. Wagging the finger. <laughs> no. Oh my God, that is awesome. Instead, so, so instead. hold on. Did did I? Can I guess? Did he just say, "Why don't you call it Breslow the game and see how well it does"? No, that would be that's <laughs> that's a great. That'd be an excellent comeback. But no. So the the Don instead looked at him and said, "I don't do 50-50. <laughs> oh man. Trump received 60% of the profits to Breslow's 40% of the profits. Breslow said the game wasn't sellable without Donald Trump, and he could have admittedly squeezed right. me for 80-20. He knew oh, that yeah, he was he's in doing the him charity. I was yeah. going to say 60-40 is pretty good. Like if I if I went into the for office, yeah, if I yeah. went in the office trying to haggle a deal with Trump, I you know, mm. six, if I left with 60 or with 40%, I'd be like, oh, I did pretty good. This might be the reason for that. According to uh, what it goes on to say is Trump the game was unveiled at an, an event at Trump Tower on February 7th, 1989. The game was expected to retail for just $25. Trump said at the event that an undisclosed percentage of the game's revenue would be donated to charities that benefited cerebral palsy and AIDS research, as well as help for homeless people. Milton Bradley executives had uh, worked with Trump for more than a year on the game, and they were surprised that they had not been aware of any of Trump's charitable intentions. The game was patterned after Monopoly and based on Trump's career in his book in 1987, The Art of the Deal. So Trump, who received input in developing the game with Milton Bradley, game specialist, said, I don't want the game based solely on chance. I want a game based on talent. And I want to cheat, teach people business <laughs> to business instincts. And if they can learn that from a game instead of having to go out and lose your shirt. So he was kind of into the educational aspect. Uh, well, so so I, I think at the end of the episode, after we've dissected this, we need to ask ourselves the question. You know, we always put Settlers of Catan up at the uh, the catalyst of the change in America that that brought you know board gaming to America, modern mm-hmm. board. Yeah, gaming. do we need to move right. that history marker back? Well, we yeah, we may we may need to add somebody to the to the list. We got we need to add Settlers, Ticket to Ride, and mm-hmm. and the Don. Maybe we should take a look at the release information <laughs> instead. <laughs> so in 1989, the game was released with a slogan: "It's not whether you win or you lose; it's whether you win." There you go. And uh, <laughs> he appeared in a commercial for the game. Although the game sold poorly. By August 1990, Trump acknowledged that the game might have been too complicated with a rule book of over 12 pages long. Oh, boy. Jeez. <laughs> it's like you're getting your broker's license, man. I miss the days of commercials for board games. I haven't yeah. seen a commercial for a game in a long time. It's been a while, dude. But the game sold 800,000 units, and that's that's what they deci- defined wow. as a poorly selling game. Mm, geez. Guys, I really want to sell 800,000 units of All Rise. Of anything. I would sell 800,000 napkins if it net me some sort of profit. <laughs> so anyways, that's that's kind of the uh, the history of the that's Trump incredible. board game itself. So started as the Trump board game. Eventually, that led to him doing the Apprentice board game. And both of those were released around the same time in 2005. So there's a little bit of history to the game. So what else was going on? What else was going on in 2005, Garrett, as far as board games are concerned? <laughs> uh, so we've talked about, um, I think this was originally released 2004, or it got copyrighted in 2004. So I know Ticket to Ride had just come out, um, uh, Power Grid, but also as a, as a time that like Hasbro and 
and Parker Brothers had started releasing these electronic versions of, of very popular games. Um, so you started to see, I don't, I don't know the exact dates on these, but you started to see, you know, your electronic battleship, your, your electronic catchphrase. Parker Brothers is like capitalizing on like adding these components to, to board games and, and just basically reselling them. So you can, you can have this, um, automated process or electronic, um, voice reading you something. Um, so for the record, let me just say, I loved electronic talking battleship. Oh yeah. yeah I really absolutely. did because there was this kind of a lull that happened and that occurred when whenever you would like launch a missile it would go it would go (laughs) (laughs) like that build up expectant build up and you're like am i gonna hit something am i gonna hit something and then when you hit it it was just it felt so good so i will say before we before we talk shit on electronic games, no, 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 I think it's, I think it's awesome. I'm not it. I brought my electronic catchphrase with me to like every every party I was going to in in high school, just because it was such a great game. So to easy. Like throw around. The problem was it was electronic, and when you're playing catchphrase, your your device very often starts getting thrown around. Mm-hmm. So it that, be that heavy duty. becomes problematic. Yeah, well, exactly. Well. You, the issue is maybe the breakable things in the house, not the ah, not it. not the electronic game that you know, retails for twenty dollars, but mm-hmm. uh, they they start getting chunked pretty quickly. So we have a less vo- volatile game here in the in the Apprentice game. Mm-hmm. Like I said, ticket to ride. So we had some you know well after the the Catan Revolution. So we we have some sorry very strategic board games coming out uh, up to this point. Um, however, Parker Brothers is still a little bit behind. Um, so I think we should look at what's inside the game. Uh, so I bought this used and everything had already been opened. Uh, however, I think all my components are here. So basically when you open up, you have your, uh, just, it's almost like a conference call, you know, like if you're, if you're ever in an office and you see like the conference speaker line, mm-hmm. um, it looks kind of like that. It's got four buttons, a power switch, a start switch, um, and then like a red and blue button, which you just use to, yeah signify what each team is doing that's really it's cool got, i never really mm-hmm. pictured it as a conference call device but mm-hmm. you know that i guess that is actually pretty thematic yeah 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 absolutely and then it's got three different types of cards it's got your task cards which tell you uh which give you a vague idea of kind of the types of competitions you're going to be competing in it's got your earnings cards and these are your scoring mechanisms um so they're just a bunch of different dollars amount dollar amounts between 1000 and 5000 mm-hmm. if you win in a if you win a competition you get a certain amount of those cards at the end of three competitions uh you reveal who the winner is and that person um does not have somebody of their team get fired is, it, the other um, team does. is the game supposed to be a two player game i just realized like it, there's not really a good way to implement more players right it says uh you can divide into teams but yes it is a yeah. two team game or it's not a, much there to really do game. if you had teams right i mean you guys could talk a little bit of strategy but i mean you get that you get that almost pandemic uh problem right. where somebody's coaching or quarterbacking the entire game right uh, the final type of card is your competitor cards, and this is the meat of the game. It's um, a, a, it's a pretty large deck. I'd say close to 50, 50 different characters that have different stats and sales and marketing, creativity, education, street smarts, and charisma. And so you're uh, looking through, you're trying to uh, create a team, and then based on the task, you're picking a, uh, three of those um, three of your six competitors to go in and compete. 
Mm-hmm. And you're trying to outsmart. You're trying to figure out what your competitor has, and you're trying to. Can we get an uh, example of these tasks? Can we? Can you yeah. like read maybe yeah, one or absolutely. two or three off for us? Huh? Sure. So one objective is go around performing good deeds for people and see how much you earn in tips. So you'll swipe that card through the conference mm-hmm. uh, caller. Donald, the Donald will read it, and then he'll say, "All right, assemble your team. Red team, assemble your team." So you'll say, "All right, well, I'm going around performing good deeds. So maybe I'll need." Uh, some creativity. Maybe I'll need a little charisma. Yeah, you're and... going to be interacting with people one on one, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh... right. So I. So maybe I construct a team of somebody that has like a nine in street smarts, maybe an eight in charisma, and I think maybe creativity is going to come up. So mm-hmm. I, I pick somebody with a ten. What's the extent then... of the scale? Is it one to? Yeah, it's one to ten. Yeah, good mm-hmm. good question. Yeah. And then your opponent does the same thing, and then after you select your teams, the Donald will come on. All right, the first competition involves street smarts. Red team, pick your player. So the red team's going to swipe. They're going to look through their cards like, all right, well, this guy's pretty good in street smarts, but if I lose him, uh, I will have to... I'll have to sacrifice, you know, creativity on the next round. So you're, you're basically, it's hand management. You're trying to pick which character you want to use um, to beat the other player, but also to keep a strong team mm-hmm. for the next yeah. competitions. So say, for example, I pick a character with 10 on Street Smarts and you pick a character with five. Uh, the character with 10 is going to get a certain number of earnings cards anywhere between one and four we found. And then the, the character that loses either gets less or if you, you know, you tie, you're going to get the same amount. So we saw some, we saw splits from... Uh, four to one, three to one, two to one, and then if you tied, we got we saw people getting one card each, two card each, three card each. Right. And so after, as far as strategy goes, what you really want to do is you want to try and game it so that, like, for example, when Jeff and I were competing, Garrett was sort of serving as GM during our game. I was I was the the Donald actually. I was. He was the. Oh, was that I was what you call playing. it? The GM in this game is the Donald. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. We uh, we were kind of going back and forth during the rounds, and we I, it, it became apparent. Originally, I was trying to just win rounds because there's two out of three competitors or two out of three categories that you have to win on. So for like one, I barely beat Jeff with one of my competitors. Uh, I think it was like a charisma check, and I had a 10 and he had a <laughs> 9, and I got two cards. Jeff got one. And then on the next one, I beat him once again by one, and I got two cards, Jeff got one. And then on the last one, I lost it handily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still thought I, I thought I was going to be okay, because I was like, oh, I still run two rounds. Jeff gets four cards, I get one. <laughs> so he gets smashed. <laughs> I still won the challenge, like, like right. in because like, I won two out of the three checks, but that that doesn't matter. You didn't win. It's, it's, well, it's all about making of, money. Yeah, it's, it's all, all about, about making, making money. money. And you didn't mm-hmm. win hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Got to win. Should have win harder. harder. Sad. Sad. <laughs> yeah, and and just to reiterate, you don't know what the three challenges are going to be. You are kind of speculating based on what right. the objective is, but and, you don't and know. what Some they're of them be. are crazy. It's like selling dragon eggs in Wall Street, like <laughs> mythical dragon, dragon eggs. Mythical we had to sell up pennies. a manual car shop in the Trump Tower or something. Yeah. We had to promote and sell chances to crack open a safe full of money. We had to uh, yeah sell pennies. We had to do a manual car wash and right. uh, sell it, all gimmicks. mythical dragon eggs in downtown Manhattan. There was one of them that was like you're going to require sales and marketing for this and i was like, <laughs> like to sell pennies <laughs> like dude, just go on the street and beg like that's all yeah. you can do <laughs> to be fair you know i was i remember i think i've seen maybe four or five episodes of the apprentice but i i very clearly remember one episode where they had to go out in the summer in new york and sell soup to people 
just like hot soup and it's like dead summer so it's like 95 degrees outside and they're trying to sell soup so right <laughs> i think it's pretty, pretty funny you know, it's pretty much pretty in line with like what they would do on the yeah. show like mm-hmm. something very difficult to try and sell to people oh that's great <laughs> yeah so anyways uh that's what you get when you open the box. That's the game experience you have. The rule sheets, you know, your typical Parker Brothers, you know, white fold-out flap, and they give you a couple different options. I got to say the rule clarity was pretty clear. They go through a couple different um, tie-breaking scenarios. They give you options and how to handle stuff. If you want a more strategic game, they have a they present a different setup for you or if you just want to play a little quicker. Um, and honestly, all the, the rules exceptions are pretty much handled through the electronic conference call machine. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's pretty well done. And I guess you should expect that from Hasbro and, and Parker brothers. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, do you want to tell us about like the one card that is, we all want to talk <laughs> about it and you can definitely tie this into the artwork and the other stuff that you can, you're going to talk about, but please drop the, the most pointless yet the best card, the best card. And obviously we should have seen this coming. So when you're, when you're flipping <laughs> through all the different characters or the, the people that you can put on your team, one card comes up and of course it's the Don and the Don <laughs> has, uh, so the stats that you can have are like education and charisma and marketing and sales. And the Don is maxed out on everyone. <laughs> He's clearly the best at sales and marketing, clearly the best ever at creativity, uh, has the best education, the best street smarts. Well, he went to Trump University. Has Jeff. the most charisma. <laughs> so be like the Don. The and the, also what's really funny is that the age there's an for some reason I don't even know why they have this, but there's an age uh, on the card, um, and next to the age is a question mark for the Don because you don't he doesn't want you to know how old he is. It's because he knew this game would be that timeless. Would be timeless too. game, a timeless game. Yeah, but the cards are basically modeled like little ID cards, I guess, for your building. And there's mm-hmm. like a little barcode at the bottom. They're really just meant for you to decide uh, what what your stats are for for the game. On the back of the card, um, there's like a like a skyline of uh, of New York, um, there's the Apprentice logo, of course, and the the black black and white silhouette of the Don. Probably a good ten years younger than he actually was during uh, during <laughs> yeah. the actual show. Um, and then on the back of the other card, which is the earnings card, uh, it's basically mm-hmm. the same thing, um, but it's just green yeah. instead of blue for the competitor card. So that's all really much. That's re- there's really there's, there wasn't a board, of course, so there wasn't that much mm-hmm. art. Um, but there was again, the, the little conference call looking, uh, mechanism, you know, just a circular mechanism with a couple buttons, um, right. that, that you, that we use to, uh, to read the cards and read the challenges. The one thing I want to mention about that Donald Trump card, and I kind of actually like this, you can't play it. <laughs> Right, because yes. Jeff Jeff drew the uh, the Trump yeah, card. Yeah, I got a chance like, to choose out. the Don for my team, and that's a no brainer, right? You choose. Right. Yeah, actually. I, so let me talk quickly. It gives you three different options to set up the game, mm-hmm. and one of them, the Don, he, it's the Donald says Trump tips at the bottom, and they're in quotes. So I, you know, he he wrote these out. He, you know, he reviewed the rules for the game, of and he's like, so. all right, let me give him a little Trump tip here if they want to succeed. <laughs> So, so he said, if you want the most strategic version of the game, go set up version C. And setup C is basically, uh, for example, Thomas drew a card. He decided if he wanted that card or he gave Jeff the option of choosing that card. So then Jeff would go and he got to choose the discard of Thomas or he could draw a new card. So the second card we draw is the Don. And I was like, oh, no, I, we, we shouldn't be able to play with this. So I, I took it out. And not knowing what would happen, we get to the end of the game, and we're like, let's just see what the Donald says if you right, swipe we, him. We thought that it would be game-breaking. We're like, if you have that card, because it's in 10 and Instant everything. Instant win, yeah. Right. 
Yeah. He can't lose any challenge. At, at worst, he's going to tie. Right. And I, uh, I, we really wanted to see what happened. So we powered on the game after we played, and we chose the Donald for our team. And there's probably this, like, what, 30, 40-second monologue of him just saying, <laughs> yeah, like, why obviously, don't you just do it? Is... I, why don't you just do it for a listener? I, I, I can do it at the... I can attach it to the end of the episode if you guys want. Like, Sure. But it's... It's so good because he's just like, I am the best you have chosen wisely. However, it just wouldn't be fair. He's like, I can't be the apprentice. Someone else I has am to the be. master. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the most self-aggrandizing bullshit. But it, to, to their credit, they realized it, it would be a game-breaking mechanic. So they just mm-hmm. put the component in for a, for a laugh. For a laugh, which, yeah. And, and, yeah uh, that's great. And that's what's really awesome about, I guess, the game is that thematically, I mean, there obviously there isn't much theme except for, you know, you have these, you have these wacky challenges um, mm-hmm. and, and those are pretty thematic and thematically correct. Uh, and then you have Donald Trump who, you know, is... <laughs> He's a Don, so he he's obviously the best at everything, and uh, and they they put that in the game. So from a story and thematic standpoint, I thought that was pretty interesting. There wasn't too much in there, but you know, mm-hmm. the, just the just the tasks themselves, and then some random characters, and then Donald Trump. That's as much color as I could really add. One thing that I really want to mention, though, and I'm not sure if we touched on this, but those money cards that you get in the challenges, like earlier when I was saying that I that Jeff got four and I got two, um, mm-hmm. the money amount on those cards is different. And it ranges right. from 5,000, 4,000, 3,000, 2,000, 1,000. So mm-hmm. it's possible. It's an interesting slingshot mechanic. Even if you lose a challenger, you get less cards. Say I get three, Jeff gets four. If Jeff gets four 1,000s and I get a 5,000, a 2,000, and two 1,000s, I still win. Yeah, there's still some so luck based in it. It's, it's similar to, I guess, mm-hmm. the, the life tiles and the game of life. Um, yeah. You're not sure how much so. money you're earning until maybe the end or whatever. One other thing about the earnings cards is those those distributions, like the one thousand, two thousand, all those cards have the they all have eight cards, so you have an equal chance of drawing a one as you do a one thousand as you do a five thousand. So it really ramps up the the randomness of it, mm-hmm. um, so that your you know your expected value is three thousand. So if you if you get a five thousand, you, you're sitting pretty. Where a one thousand is just crippling. Yeah, it hurts a lot um, for drawing them, those cards. Like yeah. I would do. Yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't even matter how much money you make in the game. Like, winning challenges is nice, but right. inevitably, because of the mechanic of... Because mm-hmm. what happens is, as you go through challenges, one of the people on your team, you start off with five, is eliminated. Mm-hmm. So, I won the first three challenges, and Jeff was down to, like, three members on his team, and... Or, you had no, to send somebody me. over yeah, to you. I had yeah, to you had to send somebody, somebody over. over. I, you you mm-hmm. do a corporate reshuffle where I have to get rid of the advantage that I have. Yeah, and and it it tries to mitigate it by say I get to choose who I send over, but still, it's like it's a huge slingshot. <laughs> yeah, complete slingshot mechanic. Um, yeah, if you have a if you have an all star team that you feel like is doing really well and you have to send someone over, um, <laughs> then then that definitely works um, against you. And actually, it worked in my favor at the end. Towards the end, I lost a challenge and I had to send someone over i had two people left uh one person was pretty well-rounded and had mostly good things so i took the chance i sent over someone who had a 10 in sales and marketing but was really bad in everything else hoping that i would just win more challenges by that because i knew exactly what i I was sending over um and Mm -hmm. i was basically setting up thomas for failure unless i was playing the numbers game if if sales and marketing came up i would lose that challenge but hoping that that wouldn't come up was probably going to be the bigger chance. And it worked out in my favor. Yeah. And like you don't really have a say over which of your cards is fired. It usually <laughs> leans towards if because uh, they go the cards go head to head. So if any of your cards mm-hmm. lost the head to head card against your opponent's cards, then that 
is on the chopping block. But mm-hmm. if I think that was the one where I had like either won two or lost two, and so both were kind of even. So it just like says, "Oh, this is really close." Uh, you, you're fired. <laughs> he just chooses <laughs> one randomly, and he chose my best card that probably mm-hmm. could have won me the game. And I was just like, I don't. <sighs> so what was also kind of interesting business, baby. What was also kind of interesting is that um what I didn't realize early on was that you're basically trying to level up um your characters and that and mm-hmm. you're trying to get them to win more challenges. And so I actually wasn't using the card that I gave Thomas in the end that much because it was because he was a niche kind of character. Um yeah. he's only really good at sales and marketing. So, you know, that that in and of itself is a pretty big flaw because they're you're only going to play that character if it's a sales and marketing one and if you had chosen them. Um and so right. they're probably going to have less victories than the other person. So, if that person ends up as your maybe that doesn't happen that often, but if that person mm-hmm. ends up as your last competitor, you're going to probably lose the game. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think it's important to clarify what what Jeff's talking about here because he's saying that at the very end of the game, they say you had 5 wins with this character and this character only had 4 wins. And that's what determines the victor. Is the game keeps track, the automated mm-hmm. game yeah. uh keeps track of how many with victories that specific card had so if you have one that's like super specific that you're playing strategically and that happens to be the one that you're bringing into the end of the game you're gonna lose it's and like that's that's what i got is i got jeff's strategy based card uh sent over to me and he fired the one that won like six or seven (laughs) challenges for me for some reason and uh that was it it was gg yeah so It was pretty impressive, actually, what all the electronic machine kept track of. Like, it would tell you if you hadn't used a character in a while, and then the Donald would tell you that that's poor management, that you need to include your entire team. And then at the end, once you were down to, like, three characters per team, it it phased out the section where you have to pick your team. Mm -hmm. And then once you're down to one character each... It's it just it just runs through the the process itself, and you just listen, and you're sitting on the edge of your seat as you yeah. find out what kind of tests. Yeah, I agree. Doing. I thought that was sort of a flaw because towards the end of the game, the game is playing itself, right? Well, from a game from a gameplay standpoint, sure, but as far as how many things the electronic the machine, me- is yeah, the machine track itself, of, it, it, was, it's, um, it's kind of impressive, it's pretty impressive. Right? Yeah, I, I would say mm-hmm. like I'd love I would love to see the logic tree that was used to sort of develop like you know if this then that because um, it's got to mm-hmm. be pretty comprehensive for a game like this Mm -hmm. and it it would for example it would know how many characters you were down and it would initiate the corporate reshuffle so Mm -hmm. it it kept track of quite a few things which was pretty impressive you even accidentally misscanned a card and it said you can't play that card or (laughs) so it's that's right they thought of everything uh as far as within the realms of the gameplay whether or not the gameplay was flawed um they they thought of everything for the machine to handle and that that made the game mm-hmm. a lot more seamless to play and really you probably even didn't need a rule book there so so guys what are our general thoughts on the games what what's our takeaway before we really start closing in on our final reviews so i'll say like it's pretty similar to you know are you smarter than a fifth grade in the survivor game and that like if you were an apprentice aficionado and you really enjoyed it this this could be a lot of fun for you um uh, the challenges themselves like while they're kind of wacky they were um kind of out of the blue i'd say so that they, they didn't really do much for me um <laughs> mm-hmm. i thought one thing that was really funny though uh sort of in the context of today's society obviously not when they release the game is that uh the dawn immediately makes you choose a side red or blue and obviously if you if you're keeping track of you know the uh, midterm elections and and jeff i'm in my time thing, machine what are you talking yeah, about the, <laughs> you know it's it's innocent in and of itself but in context of mm-hmm. us playing it in 2018 uh right after the midterm elections it was it was pretty funny um yeah so I, I think i'm most intrigued by the electronic aspect of it i think i'd be curious to explore just kind of 
you know, where you can game the system and where you can't. But I think ultimately that it, it does have a shelf life and that, you know, eventually you cannot maybe not solve the game, but you could have you know, objectively the best decision. So it very much limits your decision-making. That being said, getting to that point is always a lot of fun. And, you know, that's basically what puzzles are. You're trying to solve the system. So I think I actually am going to like sit around and tinker with this and just kind of see, you know, is it, is it best to just have one character and make sure that character wins every time and make sure that character Hold on. Never gets fired? Just, you, I'm thinking about you literally just sliding cards in your room, playing against yourself for like a couple hours. I, I was going to gonna say, Garrett, you have way too much time on your hands if you're just doing that. When I first bought this game, I ran through an entire game by myself, uh, and I picked all the characters that had um, names of my friends, mm-hmm. and I put them against. Um, <laughs> Gary, sorry, you had a lot of time. He's, he's engaged. <laughs> like, you better watch out. I picked all the cards that had my friends' I had to, names. I had, I, had, I had to record my thoughts on the. Uh, I had to record my uh, unboxing video, so I was like, "Well, I might as well play with this." And. Uh, <laughs> I had a blast, so don't judge me. This was so much fun on my own. (laughs) That being said, like I said, I think there is definitely a shelf life on this, and eventually you get to a point where you're just scanning cards, and there's you know there's not much mm-hmm. decision making, and there's not much of a game. Garrett, for the next I election, could you uh, could you just pick two a red and a blue team, and then play the game, and then whatever you whatever side wins, you just vote for that side, that party. Yeah. And if it's a tie, yes. you go like I don't know, libertarian or something. I guess I'd have to say for my thoughts on the game, like I thought that it was a missed opportunity. I would love to see the character cards uh, designed as almost like credit cards. I feel like that would have been really fun for you know someone who's you know entrenched in the idea of finance and money and 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 greed as like Donald Trump is. I think that would have been a really cool thing to do with the story. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I thought the game worked pretty well especially early game and mid game but as far Mm -hmm. as late game goes for me i i sort of thought that the game was playing itself i thought that uh i was a little frustrated with the fact that you couldn't game you lost the system yes i was (laughs) frustrated that i lost and then also it really comes down to who who donald fires yeah yeah who donald fires and you don't have control over or at least or at least clarity right like if if maybe if we knew um how the firing mechanism worked like why he fired certain people maybe that would be helpful yeah i for feel us. like i would see that's i could have maybe have gamed it or yeah. something like that but i like because i got the card at the last second that was you know that was not mine and i never had throughout the entire mm-hmm. game and that's the one that i'm stuck with um because it got i get i got punished for winning a challenge um so I feel like some of the mechanics go against one another because if you win a challenge, then you have to give up cards. And I thought there was a little too much chance in the game. I like the fi- fact that there was a chance with the money cards that you get. But when it comes to just being totally left in the dark as far as who gets the year fired, I was a little, uh, I was a little, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know, Garrett. Does I mean, what is the general consensus on this game as far as the internet goes? Uh, what, what what do other people think? Uh, so I think on Board Game Geek we have a four point four aggregate review. Uh, we had a couple of user reviews we found that are pretty good. I'm not sure what this one means. Donald Trump is president. Uh, the hilarity of this game has gone through the roof. Obviously, a ten. I have so much fun playing this. Sometimes, when you're losing, he will ask if you're even trying. It's great fun. He <laughs> <laughs> does. He does rip on you if you take. He does too insult long. you quite a bit if you're. Yeah, and what was also really cool is that long. like we were taking time um, 
trying to figure out what characters to play or whatever, or, or even something as simple mm-hmm. as like counting up the number of um, earnings that we made. <laughs> and he'd be like, time mm-hmm. is money. He'd like have these little quips and <laughs> just like these little one-liners that were just incredibly, I don't think they were yeah. written, honestly. I think they're probably off the cuff. We, and they worked yeah, out. we initiated a few recounts and he was pretty impatient with those <laughs> recounts. Oh, yeah. The Donisms. Another user said, not good for those that are easily annoyed by even the sound of Donald Trump's voice, which I, I don't think his voice is too annoying. He is... Yeah. You know, opinionated, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think it's fun to always look at the price of this board game. Um, so I'll, let me first start by saying, again, another half price books treasure that I found. Got it for seven forty nine. The Art of the Deal. Uh, the Art of the deal, deal, yes. I actually, <laughs> actually, I was in half price books. I read The Art of the Deal, and I was like, <laughs> I can get this game down to seven forty nine. Did it. Uh, checked eBay. You can find it for you can find it at low end, about nine dollars, but it's a little bit beat up. Uh, and you mm-hmm. see it more commonly at like twenty five dollars. However, over on Amazon, there is the thirty dollar <laughs> quote collectible edition. Is this that might have been the one that was re released? Uh, no, 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 no. Because that was oh, I'm sorry. It was the Trump game that was re released. I didn't know there was a collector's edition of The Apprentice. It's probably just, it just co- it, called a collectible. It, it, no, no, no. It doesn't say collector's edition. It says, quote, collectible. <laughs> so <laughs> It's just the, the judgment of some according dude. According to this seller, it is, quote, collectible. Well, he, uh, mess. He's not wrong. <laughs> I guess you can collect this. I don't know. It is pretty great that, you know, you now have someone who is like one of the most powerful people in the world telling you about selling dragon eggs on Wall Street. Like, that's just <laughs> something that shouldn't be. You could collect this, this I suppose. Is wrong. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, if you want to pick it up, you can. Um, I, is it worth it, though? I, at the at the end of the day, we talked about board game score being 4.4, but... If we had to say pick up this game, I don't know, Garrett. What's your what's your overall score? If you were going to adjust the board game beat score, make it your mm-hmm. own. Right. What are you gonna give it? And do you recommend the game, bud? So pros: the electronic conference call machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the components are good. Uh, I like that it keeps track of a lot of things for me. And I'm actually, you know, some of the things you guys pointed out is the flaws, you know, the unknown of the decision making. I, not saying that it's necessarily positive, but it is something that I'm curious about and would like to explore, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of figure it out. I think the con comes where maybe you can solve that and maybe you can figure out exactly what you should do objectively every single time. That being said, I had fun when we played it. I thought it was funny and entertaining <laughs> and I thought the basic game, at least your first playthrough, was enough that, you know, it was it was good. Um, so, all that being considered, I think I'm kind of putting this, like, in the, like, maybe the four, four and a half range. And I, I think I'll commit to, I'll go 4.25. 4.25. You're breaking into those quarter points, man. That's right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Double decimal. Okay. Let's, Jeff, do, let's do 4.2. 4.2. Thank you. Good Lord. You're welcome. You're welcome. Jeff, what about you? Um, let's see. I, I'll agree with Garrett 100%. I thought uh, component-wise, um, I mean, other you know, there's only cards there, but the cards scan, so that's cool. Um, but the the actual machine itself was really, really impressive to me. It's probably the most... Um, let me look back and just double-check. Yeah, it's, it's probably the most advanced quote-unquote piece of game about that dvd board yeah exactly (laughs) i think it's i think it's more advanced it's definitely i think it's more advanced than the dvd board because you don't need a player for it it's it's all self-contained so i thought that was really cool 
Um, and I thought it, the way that the game played, um, there was a sling, there was a the thought about slingshot mechanics. Um, there was thoughts, there was a, the strategy of punting away, you know, bad, you know, situationally bad characters. They did have uh, a chance that even if you earned more earning cards, you could, you know, earn them, earn less earnings, so lose the match or whatever. So I thought, I thought it was interesting. There's some strategy that you can put into it. Um, I'm probably gonna um, measure this up against the Amazing Race because I think it's pretty similar. I'll probably mm-hmm. give it a. Mm, I think it's better than Amazing Race. I'll give it a four point eight. Wow! Right. Oh, hands down, the greatest board game you've ever played. <laughs> no, I gave Battle Yahtzee better. Battle Yahtzee uh, gave okay. it a five and a half. So I was, I was thinking, and I was thinking of like just how how frustrating it is to not necessarily know or have control over which one that you 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 fire. And I think it's worth saying that sometimes uh, battling against the mechanics of the game can be a good thing. You mean battling like against the dawn? Battling against the dawn can be a good thing sometimes. You know, it gets your it gets your heart rate up. You kind of get like righteous indignation of raging <laughs> against the machine, quite literally. Um, and that's that's sort of what happened to me because I had no control over who was fired. Um, I think it took, and I'm fine with I'm fine with all that. But I think it took it a little bit too far in taking some of the decisions away from the player and taking the responsibility uh, of the player and the player's decisions away from them. Which, because if if I can go back and, and quote what Donald Trump said about his original game, Trump the Game, Donald Trump himself said, I didn't want a game based solely on chance. I wanted the game to be based on talent. And I want to teach people if they have business instincts. So I feel like this goes against, uh, you know, the sort of mission statement that he uh, he developed when he was originally getting to the board game game, man. Sure. So uh, I, I got to I got to dock those. Uh, I got to dock the the randomness and the, the chance that uh, you just get punished because even though you won more challenges, <clears throat> you still lose the game. Uh, so I'm going to give it just a solid four point one. That's it. All right. That yep. brings our RDG boy average to a nice four point three seven. We are killing it. That is. Point zero three points away from the BGG average of four point four. We're not working this out beforehand, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is live on air math. <laughs> That's street smart right there. <laughs> ten out of ten on street smart. I would tie the don. Well, you know what other people with a ten on street smarts do, Jeff? What is that? They go and they check us out on social media. That's what they do. <laughs> because if you guys would like to uh, hit us up and talk with us, because clearly that's something that a normal person who has time and is not sliding cards on their bed while playing the Donald Trump game alone. Uh, if you have free time and want to spend that with us, you are more than welcome to hit us up on Twitter at Rough Draft Games to talk about The Apprentice, to talk about anything that we discussed today. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the game. And uh, if you're very dare and you go out and buy it yourself, we'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, how else can they find out about us, Garrett? For example, if you're the Donald and you would like to reach out and give us some more insight into how this game was made. Or call us losers. <laughs> <laughs> or call us losers. Uh, criticize us whenever we take a little bit too long editing an episode. Uh, feel free to email us at roughdraftgames at gmail.com. And if you're a fellow bottom feeder and you want to drop us a line, shoot us an email at roughdraftgames at gmail.com. And lastly, I would be a remiss if we did not use our level three charisma to get down on our hands and knees and beg you guys for five stars on 
iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast and it gives us some feedback on uh, if you guys like what we're doing or uh, if you just want us to, uh, I don't know, kick me off the show or something like that. So uh, we're, we're always open to suggestions. But until next time, you're fired. <laughs> Actually, I'd even say, great choice. That's who I would have picked. This is hands down the best competitor overall in these categories. But I have not been chosen to play The Apprentice. So grab your competitors and swipe their cards. Get to it. You just can't be so lucky to get Donald Trump.